0: we
1: Welcome to the 25th episode of the Invincibly Super Massive Comic Book Podcast of Stuff. I'm Tony Guerrero, editor in chief of Comic Vine. And this week, it is not Brian Bucciolato, I'm sorry to say, or happy to say for others. It is the writer of. Uh, he's got so much stuff coming out. He had a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comic that came out last week. He had. Um, uh, he did some Legends of the Dark Knight digital comic, which I, I wrote an article about because they were great. He's got Ghosted coming up Captain Midnight. He did massive. He's got everything. We got Joshua Williamson. How you doing?
2: I'm doing good, sir. How are you doing?
1: Pretty good. So, how are things? Good. So you, you're, you're, it's like you're all over the place.
2: Yeah, that's just how I am. I don't, I don't know how people – like I've never understood the whole exclusive thing. I've never understood people who don't do work with a lot of people. Um, I don't know, man. I like doing a lot of work. I like doing a lot of different kinds of stuff. So um, I feel very lucky that I'm able to work with a wide variety of publishers. I think it's weird when people are just, they work with one publisher and that's it. Yeah, because it's like,
1: you know, what if you like, it's like, yeah, I, I like, you know, character X, but I want to write character Y. And it's like, you can't do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I I, uh, I don't say who it was. There's a, a very, 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 very famous comic writer who, when I started working on Captain Midnight, I was doing uh, Dark Horse Presents. And him and I, I ran to him at the comic store across from my house, and him and I were talking, and I told him I was doing something for uh, you know, Dark Horse Presents, and he was jealous. And I was like, um, sir, like, you're one of the big names in comics, like, probably one of the biggest names in comics right now. Like I'm sure that this publisher you work for uh, would totally let you do Dark Horse Presents. And he's like no, it's my contract. Like I'm exclusive. I can't do anything. Like nothing. My my name cannot be in previews anywhere except for with them. Mm. And I was like, that sounds ridiculous to me, you know. And, and he was like, that was one of his dreams. Like one of his dreams uh, coming up in comics was to do something for Dark Horse Presents, and he's never been able to, and more than likely will not be able to for a very long time. Like I doubt he'll be out of his exclusive uh, ever. So we were talking about that, and I was like, that's such a weird thing to me, you know, that, like, you're that tied up that you can't even go and do something different uh, for another publisher. Um, yeah, I like being able to kind of go around and do different stuff with different people. Uh, but like, right now, you know, I'm working with Image, Dark Horse, DC, and there's some other stuff that's not announced yet. But it's, like, little things here and there and Oni. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. I like, I like working with everybody if I can. All right, so
1: let's talk about Ghosted. So that's going to be at, at Image. It's image book, yeah. Skybound.
2: It's, Skybound. it's through Kirkman. Yeah, it's about, um, essentially it is Ocean's Eleven, but in a haunted house instead of a casino. Um, And it's a Skybound. It was a project Robert Kirkman. It's my creation, but he's sort of through Skybound. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, man. Like, it's this guy who is, uh, his name is Jackson T. Winters. And he gets hired. He, he gets broke out of prison, actually, first. He's broke out of prison and is hired to put together this, the best team of supernatural experts to steal a ghost from this haunted house. <laughs> uh, the artist is Goran Suzuka. Uh, I've had a lot of fun writing this. I remember when I uh, first came up with the idea and I was trying to find a publisher, I had a very specific idea in mind of what I wanted it to look like. And I got really lucky that <clears throat> you know Skybound was very interested very quickly in it. And they let me do a lot of what I wanted to do. And the first issue uh, is one of my favorite things I've ever written. Like I'm so proud of it and happy with it. And I hope people like it because I feel like out of everything I've done, it's one of the more me uh, scripts I've ever written. Like the, It's everything I kind of like about comics and kind of like about writing is in there. And so I hope people I hope people get, like it and you know, enjoy it and get it and buy it. That would be important if people bought it. That's July 10th, I think. Yeah, July 10th. Yeah, July is kind of crazy because it's like – it basically goes like Masks and Mobsters is July 3rd. Because July Mask that was – um was that Monkey Brain? It was Monkey Brain, but um, when I wanted to collect it, we sort of, I went to different publishers and was kind of talking about who wanted to do it. And, uh, you know, Jim Valentino and I are, are you know, our buddies, like we're good friends, and so – I went to him, I showed it to him, and he was like... It was really early on. This is, before, this is before we even did issue one of Mass Mom, should had come out yet. And I showed him issue one and the cover, and he was like, i do that, I'll do it. <laughs> um, and then so, you know, like a year later, we kept talking about it, and then eventually I, I showed him what we had done so far and what we were planning to do, and he was like, oh, this is great. Yeah, like let's do it. And so we're doing that hardcover. But yeah, it comes out on July 3rd, and then a week after that is Ghosted, and then I think a week after that is... Um, Captain minute number one, and then sometime in that month, it's the Detective Comics annual. I'm I'm co-writing with John Layman. Is mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Yeah, July is like every week. There's going to be a different thing coming out. So yeah. are you? Yeah, and I'm ahead? I get whenever I have a book that comes out, like that day. I usually I'm not not doing much work. I end up doing a lot of just promotion and make sure people know that book is out. Mm-hmm. Like that Wednesday. Like usually it's it's kind of weird. It's so that month. Uh, that plus San Diego Comic Con. That month is going to be really busy.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to – are are you, you going to have a table or anything at San Diego, or is it just
2: um, – Just with the publishers, Yeah, just it's... with, like, Skybound. Because Skybound always has a huge booth. Yeah. Um, and then Dark Horse. Um,
1: then you'll be at yeah. the DC booth probably yeah. for yeah. the annual.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, the annual. And I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, I do work for DC. Like, you were saying the digital thing. I do a lot of work with the East Coast – or, I'm sorry, the West Coast office right now. Um, there's some things that haven't been announced yet that I'm doing with them, and, and I've been working on for a while. Things I'm really excited about, and some other stuff that is still worked out. But I don't do as much work with the East Coast office with the the New Fifty Two anymore. This is probably my last thing with the New Fifty Two for a while. Is the, the Detective Comics Annual? I'm really happy to be writing it. I love. So far, it's be really cool. I, I don't want to ruin it, but it's um, it's a Harry Bullock story that I'm really happy about. Cool. I love Harvey, so it's great to to do a Harvey story.
1: Um, so while we're talking about about DC, so that yes. le- Legends of the Dark Knight, the 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 digital, I think it was like what was yeah. it issue thirty three or thirty eight? It's thirty eight through forty. Okay, I mean that that was great, and I mean I I, I told you that at, at Seattle, and mm-hmm. I I I would so buy a series, and I even told my daughter, my my nine year old daughter, I I I showed her the the first mm-hmm. first issue, I was, I was like, imagine if there's a comic like this. It's like, you know, what did Bruce Wayne do, you know, before he became Batman? Because you know, we we've kind of seen glimpses in in, in the New Fifty Two, and and you know, we all know that his Batman's origin or timeline is is shaky, you know, with the five year thing and and that. Yeah. But so it's like we we've seen him in school and everything, but it's like he he there's no way I I, I don't buy that you know he turns eighteen. And then, you know, he, he travels the world for what, five years, maybe, you know, does all his training and then becomes Batman. Yeah. It's like this has yeah, to be. I,
2: I ran it by when I wrote that. So, I mean, people who are listening or don't know, it's it's uh, the adventures of young Bruce Wayne. And it's like a 13 year old Bruce Wayne uh, traveling the world with Alfred. And um, when I when I came up with the idea and I pitched it like, you know, one of the first things I did was I went to Scott Snyder and I was like, hey, you know, um, I'm going to do this thing. Uh, you know, what do you think of it? And he was in the middle of doing um, year zero. Zero year. Zero year, yeah, zero year. Like, he had already been, like, planning that out. Like, that had already been on his head, obviously. And so I really was like, well, I don't want to mess with anything you're doing. And he kind of laid out for me sort of his timeline of events. And he was like, as long as you don't do this to this, like, you can totally do these years. And so, uh, I kept that in mind while I was working on it. And I was like, "Yeah, I, I totally think that Bruce Wayne was traveling before that. Like him and Alfred were out there doing stuff so when he was young. There's no way Bruce Wayne just sat in Gotham until he was 18. Like, if his parents died when he was 10, he did not sit there for eight years doing nothing. He went and did stuff. He traveled the world. He got into trouble. Um, you know, and I kind of always thought that's what I wanted to write about was sort of that time period of like, you know, his early teens, you know, traveling with Alfred." And, like, going and seeing stuff. It was probably a little more innocent, like, in our story. It's a little more uh, tame than probably some of the adventures that he went on. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, when he turns 18, yeah, he ditches Alfred and, and goes and gets into some real trouble. Yeah, I mean, I, I –
1: you know, it, it reminded me a little of, like, the young and Ian Jones Chronicles, you know, where –
2: Yeah, that's definitely what I was going for, a lot and, of that kind
1: of stuff. And and yeah. you know, and I mean that in a totally, you know, positive way. But it's, it's like you – know, yeah. I, I think that this could be a good – it could have been. It could be like a good, like all age Batman book because you know the, the Batman stuff in the New Fifty Two kids can't read that stuff. They they shouldn't read that.
2: Yeah, and, I think it's more diluted though. I think the thing with the Batman brand, I think that they are very interested in not diluting it. Like they want to make sure there's only so many sort of versions of Batman out there. Yeah, you know that's why it's like you have the cartoon, you have the movie, and the comic, and they try to really keep it to those three things.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they want to make sure they don't get too far out there. And so I think that's why with this particular thing, like there's not going to be one of these uh, no. ongoing. Even though I think it would be fun. Like I think it would be, um, you know, yeah, I think it would be a lot of fun to sort of do that. Again, like even the video game, I think that's it. Like they want to have one particular Batman for each genre. And I think because they already have the digital one with, um, you know, they had the digital with Arkham. And then he was appearing in Smallville. I think with this, I think it's something that they wanted to avoid. And also, I think because of what they knew Scott had planned, Mm -hmm. um, they wanted to avoid diluting the whole, like, younger Batman stories or younger Bruce Wayne stories. They wanted to make sure Scott kind of had the monopoly on that and was able to, you know, really focus on that with his book.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, But it was a lot of fun, man. Wes Craig did the art on it. And, like, I love Wes. And him and I have been trying to work together for a long time. Like, it's funny. Wes and I met. Like, it's kind of a funny side story. Like, Wes and I met at New York Comic Con 2011 and we're at this bar called Valhalla with like a bunch of DC editors, and him and I started just talking. We got along really well. But we didn't catch each other's names. It was like, you know, you're at a con, you just kind of bump into something, you start talking about comic books and art, mm-hmm. and I didn't catch his name. Like, I just did not know who he was. And so a few months later, he had been working on uh, Thunder Ages with Nick Spencer. Mm-hmm. I really liked his pages, and I would kind of talk about it online. And so him and I started tweeting at each other, and eventually started emailing each other, And we're just like, hey, we should work together. We both, like he read some of my stuff. I really like his art. And we were, you know, had a lot of the same ideas about page layout and storytelling and pacing. And we were like, we should totally do a comic book together. And we we kept talking to each other about working together. And then uh, so near Comic-Con 2012, we were like, oh, let's meet at Valhalla. Like all these DC editors, we know are going to be there. We should totally meet there. So we meet up. And as soon as I sit next to him, I'm like, holy crap, we were here a year ago. Like, we did not put together in the entire year that we had talked all night long a year before. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden we sit next to each other and we're like, wait, crap, we were here a year ago. Like, we're idiots. We've known <laughs> each other for an entire year. We've met before. We thought we were meeting for the first time, but had literally would met before. It just took us sitting in the exact same bar at the exact same place. Like, we were sitting at the same, like, booth. And we were <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we're dumb, dude. We met a year ago. Like, we talk, we've already had this conversation. which <laughs> was just a whole year ago uh but you know him and I uh just got along really well and we're sort of able to uh, uh you know work on other stuff and like him and I are still now talking a lot about working on other stuff together um, yeah he's great <laughs> <laughs> alright
1: um so you mentioned Captain Midnight yeah
2: yeah Captain kind Midnight's of nice with Dark Horse um you know he's a he is a uh older pulp character from like old movie serials and radio shows he was a big promoter for Oval Ovaltine back in the day like he was a spokesman for Ovaltine <laughs> um and you know Mike Richardson loves him it's like one of his favorite things uh he loves Captain Midnight and he didn't have time to do it himself like he wanted to do Captain Midnight on his own but you know he's the he's the man over at Dark Horse and he didn't have time so they came to me like, hey, do you want to do this Captain Midnight thing? And I knew who he was because I'm obsessed with pulp characters and also, uh, at the time, some public domain characters. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, yeah, I know who he is. I'll do that. That'd be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, me and Scott Ali and the editor Jim Gibbons just sort of sat down and, and with Mike Richardson and talked about what he was thinking about, what I was thinking about. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun working on that book. It's kind of fun doing this sort of throwback superhero in modern times sort of thing. It's been fun. No. Uh, go ahead. And that, that's also July,
1: you, you said before.
2: That's also July, man. Yeah, there's too much stuff coming out in July. It's going to be weird. And that's an that, ongoing? It's an ongoing, yeah. I'm, I'm working on issue eight right now, which is crazy. Like, oh. we're really ahead. We're making sure. And it's a, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's a time travel story. So we're really making sure that the pieces all work out. You know, it's sort of this, like, the first year worth of issues is all one giant mystery. Mm-hmm. So I'm really making sure that things sort of uh, add up. You know, it sucks when you're reading a comic book or watching a TV show, and you can tell, like, they made some stuff up on the fly. Uh-huh. And so I really wanted to make sure that things from the first issue tie into the things from the third issue, and things from the third issue tie into the thing. And issue, issue eight, and so on and so forth, all up until issue 11, which is our first year. It's worth the stuff. Um there's a line at the, like on page there's a line on page three of issue one that ties into a line on the last page of issue three. And it's things like that. Like I like – that's one of my favorite things about comics, mm-hmm. being sort of that kind of stuff and seeing if your readers pay attention and catch on to it. Um, but that you can only really do that if you think far ahead and if you write if you write that far ahead. Because then, yeah, you can write something in issue eight and be like, oh, I could totally tie that into issue two. I need to go back and fix it. Um, so that's what we've been doing a lot of that because we're so far ahead. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I, I really like Captain Midnight a lot. Now, did you have to like sit and figure out like what what rules?
1: Because you mentioned time travel, and yeah, you know, there, there's there's different sorts of time travel. You know, different rules that apply. So, did you have to like okay. map that out and say, okay, this this is what works. This is what what you can't do and what you can do.
2: Well, thankfully, with this story, it's time travel is very simple so far. Uh, you know, as it's, it's, he gets pulled mysteriously, he gets pulled from 1942. To 2013. Right? Like, he gets pulled through time. And there's another character. Oh, this is already out there. Yeah, because it was DHP. So, his his him and his his arch enemy was a guy named Ivan Shark. And Ivan Shark died. Um, he was eaten by polar bears. Like, that was actually a thing in the movie serial. He was eaten by polar bears. And when I got the job, I was like, we're keeping that. Like, we're going to keep that he got eaten by polar bears. Whatever we got to do, I want to keep that. Um, and his daughter witnessed it and has always had this. This like vendetta against Captain Midnight and blames him, even though it was it was kind of an accident. Um, blames him and wants revenge, and so during our Dark Horse Presents storylines, you learn that the two of them, she stole this uh, technology, this like top secret technology that he had been working on. She steals it, and in the process of escaping, they were having like this sort of uh, airplane chase. Uh, they both get teleported to different time periods. And so he arrives in 2013. She arrived in the 70s and sort of uh, figured since she arrived, he must arrive. As He must come through the time warp at another time or something. So she started building this plan to get revenge on him from the 70s. Uh, and so that's really where our time travel has kind of stayed with that. Like, there isn't a lot of back and forth. There is a plan for some back and forth stuff a little bit later. But yeah, we've been really trying to map out and kind of try to keep some rules and make it so it isn't so much of a uh, too much bouncing around, you know, like too much alter reality stuff going on. There's like one time stream and what has happened has happened and will happen sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't stand time travel stuff. I think time travel stuff is the hardest thing to write and also drives me insane. Like I really like Looper a lot, but after, I, after a couple of days later, I started questioning it probably too much. Mm-hmm. Um Getting upset, and the whole thing was like, why don't they just kill someone in the future and then teleport their dead body? Why do they have to do that? Why don't they just poison them and then send them back, or drug them? Why are they awake? <laughs> you know, things like that drove me crazy. So, uh, yeah, with the time travel, we did try to sit there and think about it a lot, and make sure that we weren't being obnoxious about it, but there was some thought involved.
1: See, because like with me, time travels like Back to the Future, that there's no way. That part two could have, could have happened.
2: Oh, yeah. No, there's all kinds of problems Back to the Future. I love Back to the Future, but there's a, a series of problems. Like, for one, uh, you know, Marty McFly is not the Marty McFly from the reality he ends up in. So, you know, when his brother at the end of the movie is like a successful well, – first, his mom and dad are successful and happy. Mm-hmm. His sister is doing well. His dad is a – his brother This is a perfect example. His older brother is a, is a businessman. Re- before, he worked at like a fast food place. Yeah. Uh, In the new reality, he's like a successful, independent businessman. So let's say his brother got a promotion and got a a bonus and was like, hey, Marty, you and I should go on this trip together. And they went on that trip together. Marty has no memory of that now. Mm -hmm. There's no recollection of it. I think the most, in my opinion, probably the only time travel movie that's really nailed that was Butterfly Effect. Yeah. Because every time he would go to a different reality, he would get those memories. That's why the doctor was saying that he had like four or five different Lifetime were the memories in his head, and that's what was causing him to have uh, mental problems. Mm-hmm. Where Marty, yeah, yeah, he keeps jumping around. He's not going to remember everything. He's not going to not gonna remember it. He doesn't know it. Well, the thing is, like, they, he couldn't
1: go into the future and see his kids because mm-hmm. the moment he left time, he he's out of the time stream, so he can't get yeah. married and have kids. Because yeah. we we see Biff out out there seeing the car take off in the sky, so you know yeah. everything's going, and then so. He just suddenly disappeared from the world, yet he has kids.
2: The idea is that once you make an alter the timeline, once you alter the timeline in any way, the effects should start to be seen. So when he went to the future, it's interesting. Like, when he went to the past, he immediately altered the timeline. Immediately. Mm -hmm. And so it took time because the time stream, whatever, moved slowly. So he was starting to disappear. Like, his hands were starting to disappear. The picture of his brother and sister were disappearing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, now when he went to the future and back to the future 2, his kids in the future should have started to disappear. Yeah. You know, like they should have started to fade away, his wife, everything, because he had made an alter to the time stream by leaving the time stream. Uh Uh, Yeah, there's all kinds of problems. But I love those movies. They're they're still fun to watch. But, yeah, they totally – they fall apart. Any time travel, story will fall apart once you start to scrutinize it, once you you start to think about it.
1: And and that's the thing. So, like, Marvel has always – they they've always kind of had it had it down where it's like if you you go into the past you're creating an alternate reality you know like fantastic four they they always kind of established that so it's mm-hmm. like like when when the thing became you know blackbeard that didn't really happen yeah but now we're seeing like if, if you take like all new x men mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. so so beast goes in the past grabs the kids brings them to the future and, and you know they're all concerned about you know the time stream and all that stuff but it's like he he didn't it's it's not the, the same Cyclops that you know from their timeline. Yeah.
2: Because well you know I don't think the repercussions have been shown yet. I think I think eventually in Uncanny X Men the repercussions are all new that's all new X.
1: And and I, I actually love you know both those series. I, I love what Bendis is yeah. doing.
2: Yeah, I think it's a good idea because I like those characters a lot and I think it's fun what he's doing, but you're already seeing that the alters of those characters' personalities because of the what's happening. Like Gene Gray specifically. Oh yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I just want to say this, I I think based on what you can kind of tell what's happening, like there's going to be repercussions from that stuff. Like, Bennett isn't stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, there'll be repercussions eventually, and I imagine he'll show it.
1: But see, I, because, you know, there there's always a possibility they go back to the moment they left, they have their minds wiped, you know, whatever, all that stuff. But it, it's more so that because they've left, you know, that that's mm-hmm. now a different reality and it's not... The six one six anymore because and it was going to like the Marty McFly thing it's like if, if they were gone, they they can't exist in the present unless it's determined or faded that at some point they will go back to that moment. So yeah. they will be
2: it's, it's what so yeah. Was it, that they were talking about time is fluid. I don't know. Ah, there was another movie where they were talking about that. Like oh god, have are be crazy now. Like time is fluid. So the idea is that like they will go back eventually, but something is going to happen.
1: And that you that's know? what a lot of people argued with Back to the Future. That the reason, because you know, I've I've had this discussion so many times, and yeah. you know, a lot of people were like, "Well, he had his kids because at some point he's going to go back." But it's like, no, because when he left, Biff saw the the time machine, they saw the DeLorean, so it's like,
2: like it really it, the reality should have started to crumble because the he caused a domino effect that would cause these things to happen. Yeah, because cause Biff Biff saw him leave. Yeah, you know, and that's going to cause all kinds of stuff, and like Biff's going to remember. There's all kinds of crazy crazy stuff in there like biff has to look listen (laughs) i i can forget things but i would not forget a flying DeLorean.
1: no he i mean and he didn't forget it because because then he old old biff ended up you know when he saw the delorean again then he remembered and then that's when he stole it and went to visit his younger self with the almanac so yeah it, it i mean it caused a mess but
2: and then what happened to Biff? Like there's a weird, there's a weird moment in the second movie where Biff gets out of. The- and he's,
1: yeah, me and my brother. Like a heart attack or something? No, because, okay, my, my brother and I, we, we, we had all these, just, we wondered about that too. And it's like, it's like, you know, because he comes out and he's like, oh, and then, and my, my brother's thinking that it was like the strain of time traveling there, you know, something that, you know, he changed the past or, because he didn't get shot or anything when he, when Marty no, went, but you see
2: that scene like he's having. There's something wrong with it.
1: No, but what what happened? Yeah, because there's there's a part. But I'm trying to think. I don't think anything happened to him when Marty went back to the hell alternate reality. Yeah, but what actually? What, what I think the, the official explanation is when he was getting out, his cane got stuck, yeah. and then as he pulled it, it broke. Because I, I think they found a the, the
2: fine part of his cane. yeah. That so does happen.
1: I think when he pulled it out, he hit himself in the chest, and he hit himself like really hard. And you know he was yeah. an old brittle dude. He
2: the cane, out he snaps it back. Yeah. So
1: I, I think that's why he he was like gasping like that because he he hit himself so hard with when he busted the cane. So <laughs> I, it wasn't anything like affects the effects of time travel. I don't think.
2: Yeah. There's all kinds <laughs> of weird stuff in there. I don't know. And I'm always, I'm always curious about some of that stuff. But yeah, I that first it's still fun movies to watch. But you start to question it, and then you're like, I'm losing my mind. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Yeah, with the Captain Midnight stuff, I try to uh, keep that in mind a little bit especially that particular thing. There was there was kind of a thing in the beginning there was going to be sort of a a lot more time travel stuff in the very beginning of us talking there was going to be a lot more of it. Um and then we started to tone it down. We realized we were getting we were losing focus of what was the real fun parts of the Captain Midnight stuff. Um and so we toned it down and, and yeah, dialed it back a little bit. Uh, yeah. All
1: right. Um we we talked enough about time travel, so let's.
2: You want to talk about Man of Steel, don't
1: you? Well, we'll, we'll get to that, but I, I still want to talk to you more about masks and mobsters. So, oh, yeah.
2: yeah. So, I love the book.
1: So um, I, I I'll admit I don't I don't get to Monkey Brain as much as I should, or like thrill. It's it's basically the same thing as like thrill bent, right? Where it's like.
2: Free comics? They motion, they don't motion, because um, Bent is a swipe motion sort yeah. of thing, so you control the pacing of it, because mm-hmm. the problem with motion comics, that I've always saw motion comics, is that they, they sort of move on their own, mm-hmm. um, I'm also not that big a fan of sound in comics, I don't know if anyone's nailed it down yet, how to make it work, um, I think some sound effects might be kind of fine, but even then it's a little weird But, uh, but the idea
1: is, you're, you're putting, they're available for free No Monkey Brain's not free?
2: Monkey Brain is a dollar each. Okay, or at least most of them are ninety nine cents each. Not all of them.
1: Okay, all then that thrill Thrillbent is, is where they
2: is, yeah Thrillbent is free. Put them
1: up there and
0: yeah, they put
2: them um, there and they, you know. But the thing is, they haven't figured out how to collect it yet. Yeah. Uh, but with Masked Mobsters, it's uh, ninety nine cents each, and you know, which I think is a good. I think that's a good price point for something yeah. you're going to get online. You're going to get digital because yes. you don't. You know, you're not going to have a. I, I get it. Like I believe in options and I buy a little bit of everything. I mean, there are some books I get in single issues. There are some books I buy in hardcover. Um, and there are some things I buy digitally. It just, kind of depends. Like mm-hmm. I'm kind of certain books for certain reasons. Um, you know, like if I'm starting to have a problem, I'm starting to fall behind on a book or lose a little bit of interest in it. You know, I will, uh, stop buying it in, in print. And then maybe after it's been out a month, buy it for the discounted rate online. Yeah kind of gave it that last that last try the last hurrah to see if i still like it and there are some books man i bought i bought digitally um like indestructible hulk i started buying digitally and i got to like maybe three or four issues in and then i was like i like this book a lot and i walked across the, to the comic book store and bought them all in print mm-hmm. uh, but that's the thing i think 99 cents is, is a good sort of mark for what you would want to buy uh digitally um And I love writing that book so much. It's been such a good release. I think, you know, um, last year there was a few books I I wrote that I wasn't as happy with. And I think Masks and Monsters sort of saved my sanity. (laughs) Uh, Because it was just me, you know. It was just me and Mike Henderson, um, who's the artist on most of them. And him and I, I mean, he's great. Like, he he really gets it. And I think he totally gets the kind of pages I like and the kind of layouts. Yeah, I mean, it looks great. Yeah, he he gets it, man. I don't know, and like so, him and I are kind of talking, and he's one of the first. Like, I've never, uh, I don't want to say who it was, but I, I've seen some scripts where it's like pages one through five. This superhero fights this superhero. Just go to it, and the artist draws whatever for five pages. Like, I've never done that before. I couldn't even imagine doing that. But on issue three of Masks and Monsters, there was one page where it was a character called the Deadly Bones. Where he was just gonna fight a couple guys. Like one guy had a sword and the deadly bones. He had like nunchucks that looked like bones. And uh, I told the artist, I was like, Well, this is what I need from panel one. This is what I need from like I need, this is what I need from the first panel on the page, and this is what I need from the last panel on this page. But like, have fun. Like, do whatever you want in the middle of there. And Mike totally nailed it. Like it was just a fun page with this guy, you know, fighting swords and nunchucks. Like I didn't have to choreograph it. And I normally wouldn't do that. But I think because Mike and I have such a good connection, like a true rapport with the uh, with Masked Monsters, that I was able to let him do that. Um, and that's part of what I love about that book, it's just it's feels it very much it's, it's very free compared to some of the other stuff I've done because it's just me and him. You know, um, we have proofreaders and things like that, but at the, end of the day it's just me and sort of my what I like about writing comics, like my kind of pacing, and you know, so we've been doing a lot of that, and it's just. Yeah, Masks and Mobsters, man, it's so much so much fun. I hope people people like it. Uh it's been really rewarding for me. because uh, a lot of people a lot of people like it, you know. I uh issue seven that comes out when is this air? When do you air these normally? Uh, it'll be um the following week. Okay, so next week there'll be another or I guess this week I guess will be Masks and Monsters number seven. And it was me doing something I could never get away with in print comics. Like you'll see, I'll I'll send it to you. Like I could never get away with it. <laughs> and um I remember talking to Mike about it and being like, Here's what I wanna do, what do you think? And he was like, That sounds cool, but also crazy. And so we did it and then I sent it to Chris Roberson. I'm like, I'm really worried about this one, what do you think? And then uh Chris was like, This is like next level stuff. He was really happy with it, he thought it was great and, and so I was like, Okay, good, that's one person that doesn't think we're crazy. And then uh uh, like Mark Wade and I have talked a little bit about digital comics and sort of throw bent and some other things, and so I sent it to him, like, "Hey, this is me experimenting. What do you think?" And I sent it over to him, and then right before WonderCon, he was like, "This is great!" Like that made my that made my day. Just Mark Wade emailing me and being like, "This is great!" And then him and I talked a lot about uh, digital comics at WonderCon, and that came up, and I was really just like, you know, it, it was very rewarding to sort of do something that's it is me experimenting, me having fun with comics and having creators that I respect recognizing that and seeing that, um, I wouldn't get that. I think if I wasn't doing masks, monsters,
1: hmm. well, I'm a, I'm a sucker for good hardcover. So
2: yeah, me I'm too, man. To that. I'm, I'm really bad about it. I like right now my desk, uh, here I have like so many hardcovers. I had to find space for it. Like I've ran out of room. <laughs> I think in the last month alone, I've gotten like, Last few months, I picked up a Marvel Omnibus, like one of the really big ones. Yeah. It was the Statics one.
1: Oh, uh, I I got that when it first came out because um, uh, at Isotope they, um, James commissioned like uh like exclusive Mike Allred, like it was like a, a print basically. Oh nice! But you could you could turn it into the the dust cover if you were oh. insane enough to fold it. And wrapped the, around the book, but it so it's it's long enough like that, but it's wow. also on this like super high grade paper, and so I, I was like, hell yeah, I'm I'll pay you know full price for that, and
2: yeah, I probably got two and th- and done that, but I got that. I picked up some Why the Last Man hardcovers, some 100 Bullets, um, some of the Buffy big hard covers, uh, Joe the Barbarian. I'm like looking at my desk right now, <laughs> all the Scott Snyder Batman's. Um, I picked up the Shade Hardcover, which or. The Shade Trade, Trade. Which is hardcover. Yeah, yeah, it's
0: actually
2: crazy. That's, like, that's right here. And I'm like, it's literally, it's funny. I have this huge stack of hardcovers. And in the middle of it all is the Shade Trade paperback. And I'm like, man, this should be a hardcover. And it would go right next to my Starman hardcovers, which are yeah. right in front of my desk.
1: Yeah, we've talked to James because you know, James comes on once a month, yeah. pretty much. For month. a
2: little bit. Yeah, it sucks that it's not a hardcover.
1: Because that well, series almost got canceled. Yeah, dumb. <laughs> that's, and, and, and the problem is because, you know, probably a lot of people were waiting they wanted a hardcover trade so they're like yeah i'm not gonna buy the single issues i'm gonna wait but then so sales went down so then dc's like where well, you might have to cancel this this miniseries and and then they released in a trade paper which i i get the you know a lot of people like trades because they are more affordable and it's easier yeah. just to, to pick up and everything but i mean there's just some stuff it's like i i bought all new x-men in in hardcover even though i you know i have the issues and you know I didn't need it, the hardcover, but I I like a good, classy hardcover.
2: Oh, you yeah, me too. Like, with Hawkeye. Um,
1: oh, yeah, that's another one. It's like, why wasn't that in hardcover?
2: No, 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 because they know.
1: They're going to, yeah, double dip.
2: Hawkeye and Saga are two things I'll give an example of. Like, I bought all the issues for both of those, mm-hmm. and I'm very tempted to buy on a trade, but it's like I want – like, they've already announced that Hawkeye will be, you know, a big 12-issue hardcover. Oh, I missed that. Saga will be um, – so it's like, I will get those, but it's still tempting to get them because, you know, I have a friend that'll come over, um, like an artist friend will come over and we'll start talking about comics and stuff. And somehow Hawkeye will come up or Saga will come up. I think those are two of the best comics being published right now. Mm-hmm. Easily. Yeah. Like those Eisner nominated, and I was like, man, you know those books are going to win. Those books are so great. Yeah. Um, and I want to, like, I want to borrow them, but I don't like handing somebody, like, a stack of single issues. Mm-hmm. And so it's that part of me that wants to buy Saga and Hawkeye and trade. Just like so let people borrow them. Like, I have all the Preacher hardcovers and I have all the Why the Last Man hardcovers and, and a few other things like Criminal in hardcover, but I still have my soft covers. Same thing with Starman. Like, I still have the soft covers of all of them. They're just not up. They're not on the shelves. They're like in a short box in the storage. Yeah. But, um, or like my, my storage downstairs. And so when someone comes over, if we start talking about Preacher or Why the Last Man um, or 100 Bullets, again, another example, I'll just go grab them the trade and let them. Let them go read the trade version. I'm not going to give up my hardcover.
1: Don't don't get your fingerprints on hardcover.
2: Yeah, I get a little. I I, I have a few people I will let borrow the hardcovers. <laughs> like I have all the lock and key hardcovers.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, I wish I got the big giant absolute editions of those too, but yeah. um, those are hundred dollars each. Hundred dollars for five issues. I think is a bit much.
1: For it's me. crazy.
2: Um, you know, and so I uh, I let my my friend Vinny, the guy I do sketch monsters with. Uh, and Deer, I did Dear Dracula with, mm-hmm. uh, I let him borrow those, but I, I could trust that guy. I know where he lives.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: I hang out with that guy pretty frequently. Oh, and then, like dark horse put out that fear agent hardcover, which is, I awesome. know I saw it. Um, so yeah,
1: I think that's like 50 bucks, which, which isn't, uh,
2: uh, I do is a lot cool. of, I of. this is going to sound bad and I might get in trouble with some people. I don't know. I hope I don't break any hearts, but I order a lot of stuff off of Amazon and, and yeah, you have to. And cheapgraphicnovels.com uh, cheap graphic they like right now they have a deal on masks and mobsters where if you order the masks mobsters hardcover from them it's uh forty five percent off. Mm-hmm. So it's ninety hardcover you could buy off of them for like less than eleven dollars I think it's like ten fifty or something. Yeah, which is like that's a good deal like that's the way to go like why wouldn't you do that?
1: Yeah, um, I, I do a mix like I I bought the um, Judge Dread uh, the Brian Boland. Um, mm-hmm. hardcover. I got that at the comic store and you know, I, I pay you know, I I get you whatever, you know regular subscription discount, you know. But yeah. it's like you could get probably like, you know, three times that discount getting off of Amazon and, and I'll order some stuff online, but I'll also pick up some stuff at the store. Like I oh.
2: I definitely I live across from a store and so I usually pick up a ton of stuff from them in terms of issues. I, I
1: I would buy stuff at like when Borders was around I would, you know, buy the occasional book from them, you know, pay full mm-hmm. price just you know, just to have it.
2: Yeah, I bought the Long Halloween absolute edition from my uh, my comic shop over here. And 100 bullets, the 100 bullets hardcovers I buy from them. Um it just depends what it is, you know, like how, how the mood I'm in and uh, how much money but,
1: you got in your account at the time.
2: Okay. Yeah, well I buy probably too much, dude. That's that's the that's the truth of it. Like I, I'm out of shelf space right now. Mm-hmm. I need to figure something out. Um yeah I, yeah, I really don't have enough room. That's why they're on my desk and they're on the ground. I have a crazy Batman uh shelf of uh of all Batman trades and hardcovers. It's huge. It's like a regular, like, you know not a shelf, it's a bookcase um of just Batman stuff. <laughs> And, like, that is out of room right now because I've picked up, like, easily, like, a stack. And when I say a stack, I'm talking about a good, like, two feet of Batman trades and hardcover recently. And so I have to find a uh, a solution. I have to rearrange, like, my entire office, I think, is what it is. Like, I have to go – I need to go and buy a bunch of them. I don't go to Ikea when I buy shelves because they wane too much. Mm -hmm. I need to go and either get them built. Like, because the three I have right now in my office, well, the three – tall bookcases I have are all were all built for me um to support like heavy hardcovers it's like punish or uh, marvel uh I have a, basically all those tall hardcovers they do the oversized ones yeah. I get a lot of those a lot of them mm-hmm. um like anything with the punisher or daredevil I usually pick up like I'm looking forward to the Punisher End of Days hardcover. I, I get those issues, but I'm really looking forward to the big oversized hardcover version of that.
1: I mean Daredevil,
2: End of Days. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is it called?
1: Daredevil. You said Punisher.
2: Oh, it's the Punisher? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah I love it. I have that. I just got that Daredevil by Mark Wade, um, hardcover, Volume 1. Mm-hmm. That's also a book I love. Issue, what is this? Issue 25 came out. Yep. And I was reading it, and I was like, "Stupid Mark Waid and Chris Samney making great comic books."
1: Because
2: mm-hmm. that issue was so so great, I loved it. I don't know if you have you read it yet.
1: I I, I read some of it, but Sarah reviewed that one, so it's like okay. when when the the books that I don't review, I I, I can't read right away because you know you got to try to read the other stuff. And
2: yeah, you have a, you have to do it for a job. I just read comic books, man. Yeah. Like I, I go across the street, I grab my stack of books, I grab lunch, and then I spend like a couple hours just reading comics. It's rough because uh, right now Daredevil, which I love, um, hold on, not Daredevil, Hawkeye. So Hawkeye and Saga come out on the same day usually. I think and so, yeah. So I, I come home to be like, which book do I read first? <laughs> it's the same problem when um, when Preacher was ending, uh, Garth Ennis' Punisher was starting.
0: Mm.
2: So one year they were going on at the same time. <laughs> And they both came out on the same day. Wow! And so I was always like, which do I read first? Do I read The End of Preacher or The Beginning of Punisher? Like, what do I do? So literally, like, the last... I think it was... Not The Last Is Your Preacher, but somewhere in there, like, The Last Is Your Preacher came out, like, in the middle of Welcome Back, Frank, I think. And so it was one of those things where it was like, well, of course I read The Preacher issue first. So good. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing. But yeah, I mean, like, right now, uh, as I talk about this books I'm reading... I still feel like I don't have time to read as much as I want to.
1: Yeah, usually when I, when I talk to people, they're like, like, yeah, I, I can't keep up. So you're actually reading quite a bit compared to the other yeah, people I talk to.
2: Yeah, i across from a comic shop, and I take the time, and I read a lot in bed. Like, that's usually the two things. I read in bed or I read, um, like, on Wednesday. Usually all my comic books I read on Wednesday. Like, I'll grab them, and then I'll stop just in the middle of the day and, and just read those books and then get back to work. Um, like I, we were talking about, like, I am doing a lot of stuff and even we've talked about like the ghosted and Captain Midnight and masks mobsters and detective. Um, there's still a lot of other stuff that I'm working on that it hasn't been announced yet. Um, I do pull in, you know, a regular work day, man. Like I'm still, you know, up working by eight o'clock. Um, and usually stopping around seven and like just working all day. I don't work on weekends as much anymore. I usually only work, um, on Sundays. And a lot of times it's more emails than writing. Um, but there is still writing on the weekends. It depends. Like sometimes it does come up where they're like, you know, you got to finish this by Monday. And I, I sit there and I do it. Like, I try and finish it by Monday. Um, but somehow in that I still, you know, this is still a passion for me? It's mm-hmm. still, uh, you know, I've been working in comics or have like some kind of comics job since I was 14. You know, I worked at a comic book store from four, you know, when I was 14 then in college. Um, yeah, like I've, this is this is you know it's a lifestyle thing for me a little bit, mm-hmm. which might be an understatement. But I can't imagine not reading comics. I don't. I think James Robinson even talks about that sometimes on Twitter. Like he meets pros who don't read comics, and they are like, "What? That's weird." Like, what are you doing here? Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, I, I I get if you know, if if you have someone like like you know Jeff Johns or or, or you mm-hmm. know or Bendis who you know who writes just you know so many books, you know, you could see that. They don't have a time. But then those two in particular, it's like they have to read or they have to at least know what's happening in the other books. Because when you're writing so many, you know, you're you're involved with the rest of the universe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You got to kind of know what's going on. You know, um, that's something I like about the again, having the comic strip across the street for me is there's times like when I was working on Voodoo, um, like I had some comps of some things. And then I would be like, oh, I got to tie you know, Hellspot into Superman or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I would just run across the street and buy those issues or sit there and read them really quickly. Because I would want to know. I'd want to make sure I could tie it all together. Uh, same thing with Legends. I wanted to make sure. But I'm also a little bit of a continuity junkie. Yeah. So cool. I think it's part of it, too. I want to make sure that I am not going against things. Because I pay attention, too. Like, as a reader, you know, like if I see things that are inconsistent, I get a little annoyed. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I'm one of those rare comic writers out there i guess in a way that actually enjoys our industry and, and is a little bit of a nerd about it mm-hmm. uh, that's also been working at a comic shop too you know i think and like all through high school and a little bit of college working at a comic book store and sort of talking with people and and having those nerd battles yeah at the comic book store um you know yeah a lot of that has has gone into my career a little bit like i want to make sure that I'm not doing those things that other uh, that I would bitch about back when I was working at a store.
1: Well, like some, you know, some people get on my case if if I bring something up. But it's like when when we do our reviews, you know, because you know we do the good, the bad, and the verdict. And yeah. so it 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 in some ways it kind of forces us to look for bad things. But mm-hmm. it, it's not like we're look for bad things that that try to be negative. But you know, we're we're tr- we're trying to. Look at from all angles, and you know, especially if it's a book you love, you know, you're you're trying to step outside of it, and so a lot of times, like the things that that I'll kind of critique are, are things that may not necessarily bother me, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to think how other people would be affected.
2: Yeah, you have be, be objective and have some kind of different viewpoint on it, and it's part of your job to present different perspectives. Like, it's not all about you.
1: Yeah. So, okay. like sometimes I'll mention like it's like you know some continuity things or something like that, and people are like like oh you know stop stop complaining about it or, but it's like, it's kind of my job to do that. And it
2: is your job. Yeah.
1: And you know, you, you can overlook some things and say, okay, yeah, the, you know, how's Wolverine here when he's also over there and you know, this and that, but the, there's, there's so much you can overlook, but then if, if it's happening all the time, like, like, you know, the, yeah. the, the big problem was um, with Batman, you know, we had death of the family and we had the fallout, and then, then that unfortunately, and this isn't really a continuity thing, but then that kind of jumps right into the Damien stuff. And yeah. it's just unfortunate how how closely those, those coincided,
2: because that that kind of affected both stories. Yeah, I, it's a little disappointing that they couldn't touch it out a little bit and sort of make some space for it. But
1: you know, uh, Grant Morrison's leaving, yeah. so you gotta accommodate yeah. his schedule.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, that's one thing I guess... It's not a popular view, but I don't think, I think it's weird people get mad about comic books. You know, like, people get generally, like, really upset. It's like the whole Dan Slott thing with Spider-Man. Like, <laughs> people are pissed, you know? And I'm like, I always feel like when you're really mad about that kind of stuff, like, you're missing a very historical part of comics. Mm-hmm. It's like, is Barry Allen still dead? Is Hal Jordan dead? It's like, listen.
1: Well, Barry Allen was dead 23 years.
2: But he's not anymore. (laughs) But that's the
1: thing. It's like, you know, if if Peter Parker was gone for 23 years, you know, and and of
2: course, there's no way that's going to happen. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, you get you get that. And if somebody out there is like actually really. And also, people are listen, listen, I have a Batman tattoo. All right. Like, I generally love comics. Like, this is not a thing where I'm like just bullshitting, whatever. Like, I love comics. And a lot of ways, I love these characters, you know, like Legion of Superheroes. I, like, though, I, when I was 12 I think which was Zero Hour happened and like I knew those kids like I felt like I knew them and when sometimes something bad happened to those characters in a way I took it personally but not the way I think some people do it's like listen I love Peter Parker like I feel like in a lot of ways I am Peter Parker like I've had a very Peter Parker kind of life at times except for Green Goblin never threw any of my exes off of uh, you know the Brooklyn Bridge no matter how much I would want them to but, um, you know, I would not get that upset about it. Mm-hmm. Like, Peter Parker died, and I, we all know he didn't really die. Yeah. You know? Um, we all know he's going he's gonna to overcome. That's the nature of comics. And I think some people that take it really personally um, remember, and the thing that's funny is I feel like people who aren't reading the comics are the ones that are getting upset. Yeah. You know, when, when uh, Jason Todd died, uh, you know, it was all over the news and but they didn't say jason todd they said robin uh-huh. and so everyone thought they killed dick grayson off and so you know daniel neal was getting all this uh all these letters and all this like hate mail the people thought he killed off dick grayson yeah and it just showed you like they weren't really paying attention they were outraged for the sake of outrage not because they actually read the book and, and read the emotion of it like they didn't see batman sort of finding the body like none of that you know uh-huh. uh yeah, it's ridiculous. It seems it seems funny to me. Like I, I love those characters. Like no one can accuse me of being like, well, I guess you don't like the characters. It's Like man, fuck you. Sorry, it's not the language, people, but you know, it's like you don't know me. <laughs> uh, it makes me. I think it's kind of silly at times. People get that upset. That upset about it. Yeah, and it's, and it's a, it's a shows that this industry does uh, make people passionate about it, and I guess that's better than people being indifferent. Yeah, but so
1: you know, for me. It, like my my top two characters are you know Batman and Spider Man and mm-hmm. and it's like you, you know things are gonna gonna revert back and yeah, it's it's, oh, just, yeah. it's just it's just just crazy but
2: and the thing that they don't have a plan like nowadays this is not the nineties you know mm-hmm. this is not this time period I think where they would do things and kind of wing it it's like you know they have a plan yeah like specifically Marvel specifically Marvel. They they sometimes things shift like because remember Civil War uh, happened and, and uh, World War Hulk was supposed to happen earlier and it got pushed back a year
0: mm-hmm.
2: now Age of Ultron got pushed back a year because of uh, Avengers Wolver- versus- or Avengers X Men yeah um, but they still have a plan like mm-hmm. they they knew they were pushing it back and they made adjustments for it like they made plans for it to work and they try to make it work and they think ahead they have a lot of forethought. Like Marvel specifically, I think has a lot of forethought, um, and if people do not recognize that. I'm like, you're just not paying attention.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> it's 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 crazy. But I mean, in in some ways, it's good when they get passionate because that means they care. But then you you know you do have like you mentioned to people who who aren't reading it or are you know just complaining you know secondhand.
2: Yeah, that's what gets on my nerves more. So is that you know where people are like. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can get into that. I can get into things that make me angry about that stuff. But uh, the other that's thing, podcast another day. <laughs> yeah,
1: the other thing that gets to me. It's like you know, as soon as an announcement is made, you know, people start start complaining, and it's, it's like you know, once you at least wait till you read the first issue.
2: Oh yeah, man! Like hold the judgment. Like it, it, it's like people forgot the whole like. Like, the new saying, it should not be people should judge a book by its coverage. People should not judge a book by its announcement. Yeah. You know? Like, that's, that's really where we're at now. Uh, yeah, give it a chance. Read the thing. Find out. You know? It's like, you never know. I mean, look at how... I think it's really people complain about creative teams and different kind of stuff. And it's like, you never know if that guy nails that voice. I mean, think about... Uh, I'll talk about myself. I'll use myself as an example. Like... Uh, You know, Voodoo. One of the hard parts of Voodoo to write was nailing down her voice, or having a voice for any character, because you know there was sort of a lost direction with that book, and so getting the voice of it was challenging. And I think that's a complaint a lot of people had um, with that book was sort of the voice of the characters and how it was hard to keep it consistent. But it's because it wasn't um, outlined out as much. It wasn't as known as say Batman, you know, or Alfred, or different characters. And I know, like, so when I wrote. Um, when I wrote Superman and Batman and I wrote Damien and Supergirl. Yep. Like I loved writing Damien. And I felt like I got, you know, that book got a lot of really great reviews. Like people loved it. And people really liked when I wrote Damien. And it was like because I knew that character's voice really well. Issue seventy seven, people should track that down. Yeah, I mean I love that one. That's one of my favorite DC things I've ever written. Yeah. Because I knew Damien's voice really well because I think it was so established. Like he had such a distinct voice from Grant Morrison. Right, who's uh, who's Damien? Robin, Who, who's who's that?
1: There's there's no Robin named Damien. What? He's dead.
2: Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> For there, I thought they like rewrote continuity. And I, I was like, what are you talking <laughs> about? That's me. <laughs>
0: you
2: know. Uh, and I sat there and I read Batman and Robin and, and I picked up all those little things. You know, like how Damian would do that little t- thing he would do. Uh-huh. You know, and things like that, and sort of just like got the voice down. It was the same thing when I wrote Uncharted. Like I was able to sit there and play the game and listen to how Drake would talk and sort of try to mimic that. Uh, Voodoo was very limited at that time, and it was hard to do. And I think it's the same thing with some comics, where you might have a creator, and you are like, I don't like that creator writing this character, like you said, writing character A. Um, well, now they're writing character B, I'm not going to give it a chance. It's like, well, maybe you should, because you never know. He might nail that character's voice, and be a completely different writer. It does happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, people should always give you know, read the book, find out. Look at listen to the look at the previews, you know? Mm-hmm. Try to try to give a book a chance before you totally jump down his throat. Yeah, because like I like Matt Fraction,
1: it's like so many people gave him a hard time, or you know, not him personally, but you know, they would complain about uncanny X Men.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I I I I put some of that on, on the art. You know, there's mm-hmm. people who like Greg Land and there's a lot of people who don't like Greg Land. And it was just weird because you know he got a lot of flack over Uncanny X Men, but then he was so like incredibly consistent on Iron Man with with Salvador Larocca and oh, and, yeah, and there's that. And then it's like when you know he was in to Fantastic Four and and you know when they announced FF, people are like like oh that that looks you know, the, the the lineup for FF. People are like oh that looks stupid and everything. And it's it's you know one of one of the best books out there. You know both yeah. of them.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. And it looked Hawkeye. Okay. You know Hawkeye is so good. It's like insane. Jimmy, me, that's one of the, again. That's one of the best books out there. And there's people
1: uh, that don't like David. Aha! What I know. What and there, there, there's people. There's people who don't like Mike Allred or don't like Chris Somni They'll they'll when you know we write the reviews and we, they're like like oh I don't like that art. I was like
2: what Chris somni really?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like get off my website. <laughs> I don't really yeah, say that's, that. That's, don't that's, don't get off the website. But <laughs> it's like it's, it's crazy. And you know yeah, everyone's entitled to your opinion. That that's fine. It's, yeah. And That's the other thing that that bugs me when. It's okay to don't like some, you know, you don't like something. It's okay if you don't like something I say or whatever. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, you don't have to be so negative about it. And, and you know, when it comes to art, some people are like, "Oh, that sucks." But you know, it's like there's some people that actually like that. And you know, why don't you like it? You know, use your words instead of just yeah. That's another thing. It's so what mean.
2: My, uh, I'll say it. Screw it. I'll, I'll totally talk about it. My brother considers himself a movie aficionado um but sort of the flip side of that like we'll be talking about a movie and i remember one time i was in california for uh, San Diego comic-con and him and i were talking like we were driving and transformers 2 had just come out (laughs) and he said it was his favorite movie like he loved it he thought it was so good and i was like and i had seen it and i had a lot of issues with it and i was like okay well let's talk about it like i'm not gonna just like jump down your throat and be like you're an idiot I was like, all right, well, tell me, like, what did you like about it? And he couldn't talk about it. He couldn't explain what he liked about it or what he didn't like about it. Like, he had no – he just thought it was great. Like, he had the most basic opinions on it. And the same thing happened this last uh, Christmas. Him and I were talking about movies, and he was – he has this insane, like, stupid Blu-ray collection <laughs> of, like, every movie that comes out he buys. Like, everything is kind of popular, everything that's kind of a thing, you know, or, or a big movie star, and he buys it. And so I asked him. I was like, hey, so – we were talking about movies, and he was like, I just like movies. I just like movies. I was like, that's a fair opinion to have. That's fine. Um, you know, I can't, you can't defeat that. that. That's a totally good opinion to have. Then I was like, are there any movies you don't like? Like, can you tell me a movie in the last couple years you didn't like? And he couldn't answer my question. And I was like, I'm not trying to pick a fight with you. I just want to know. And it was weird to me to have, like, sort of just a baseline opinion that you can't have, like... And I think it's the same way with comics. Like, when I talk to some people who are just, like, hate some books but you can't really get why they hate out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if they can just say, well, I don't like that artist" or I don't like that writer. It's like, you almost can't keep going with them, you know, but then you want to be like, Oh, well, what about it? Like, what about that art? Did you not like, what about that writer? Did you not like, um, you know? Yeah, it's funny. Cause sometimes I'll read reviews, uh, not even on my books. There was a review of somebody else's book uh, on a website. And I read and I was like, wow, this guy did not read this comic book. Like you can tell. Like he just did not read this book, mm-hmm. and that's more disappointing than anything else. You can tell they didn't read it because they'll ask a question, they'll pose a question, and you're like, "That was the point of the entire comic." He obviously didn't read it. He obviously had like a uh, um, a biased opinion beforehand, like he'd already a predetermined review in his head, and so when he read it, he'd already imposed those ideas upon the book.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When he walks away from it, those ideas still stand, opposing what actually happened in the book. Very disappointing. Yeah. Anyway, I can go on about that all day. We probably shouldn't. I should probably get back to work because <laughs> I do have a lot of stuff to do.
1: Yeah, I do too. I have scripts too. Yeah, you got to get
2: going. Yeah, I do. But okay. you know, I do hope people check out all those books that come out in July. Like I said, goes to Captain Midnight, Masked and Mobsters and Detective Comics Annual Number Two with John Layman all come out in July. So I hope people that should be in the previews. I think that comes out next week or two weeks from now. I don't so know. Pre-order, pre-order. It's very important to pre-order. Yeah. You no know, pre-order. Sometimes these books don't exist. Yeah. Let your comic shop know. That's right. Yeah. Go tell them. Talk you, about it online. Word of mouth is the best promotion you can do. Yeah. You know, I
1: still haven't seen Dear Dracula. Oh, the movie, really? Yeah. I'm, I'm bummed. Uh, it, I, I missed it when it was on.
2: it Was on Prime. Like you can buy it for a couple bucks, or you can or rent it. Uh, but it'll air again next year. It was on like every day, like twice a day. Really? so you, Yeah. It'll be on again next year. Okay. They'll play it again. They'll do the same thing. It'll be part of their whole like thirty days of thirty-one days of Halloween, and they'll air it again. Okay, I have to look for that. They'll be able to catch it. Okay, but thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're not going to Chicago, right? No, going to some town. I was going to go to Chicago, and then again, I just got too much work to do. Okay. Like, there's no way I can do both. I wish I could, but I, I just can't.
1: Okay, so I guess next time I'll see you is San Diego.
2: San Diego. Yep.
1: I don't know if I want to do Heroes Con or not.
2: Um, I don't know if people are going to that one. I haven't decided yet.
1: That's I'm still on. The that's list. like North Carolina, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I don't know about that. I'll oh, get around okay. to it. Yeah. All, All right. Sure. All right. So, um, thanks for for being on and. And we we end up we we talked too much before we started recording.
2: <laughs> yeah, we did. That's funny. Are you still recording right now? I
1: am we're still recording right now. <laughs> oh yeah,
2: man. Me and Tony talked for like an hour before yeah. we start recording. So.
1: so that's uh, uh talked for like two hours. Yeah, so no one you, you guys missed it. You missed a good pre-show.
2: Well, we never talked about Man of Steel. My opinion is it looks awesome.
1: Yeah. Did you cry?
2: Dude, that's really funny you said that. I had a little bit of that like that moment of like I could cry watching this.
1: <laughs> it's that that scene, it's it's like chokes, it's like it's like uh, it's like oh it's,
2: stupid pot can't. Stupid pot can't man. Will yeah. you'll always be my son. Oh man.
1: Yeah. I don't even like Kevin Costner and that, that scene was like oh my goodness.
2: Oh I bet you you're gonna like Ke- I like Kevin Costner. I think you'll like Kevin Costner after that.
1: I don't know. Just like Robin Hood and Waterworld and You don't like Robin Hood? Yeah. He's wasn't
2: What about dances with wolves? Yeah.
1: It was alright. Huh? It's it's it too epic y like like oh, you know, whatever, trying to do this big thing and you, you, should know?
2: Watch, you should watch a documentary about it. It will totally change your opinion on the movie. Maybe the the, the behind, behind the scenes thing for that movie that Bio did this behind the scenes like inside story on Dances with the Wolves that totally changed my opinion on the movie. Which is weird, but then I watched it again and I had totally a new appreciation for it. Okay, maybe someday check it out. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep an eye out for it. You should. Bio <laughs> did. Uh, I'll I'll leave with this. I guess promotion for something else that doesn't even exist anymore. A few years ago, uh, or 2011. Uh Bio had a show it was called like Inside Story and it was at think twelve episodes long. each one was a two hour long behind the scenes documentary about a classic movie mm-hmm. um and I mean classic like as in like eighties movies um like eighty like eighties uh early nineties and I think they were originally going to do one like you know twelve episodes a year. Well, the first twelve I think were super expensive, and so they stopped after the first year but they did like science of the lambs. They did uh fatal attractions, dance with wolves, um, like Ferris Bueller's day off. And it's all new interviews. Huh. They really went out and they made these like really high quality documentaries. Oh, Jaws is one. I think the Jaws one actually ended up being on the Jaws Blu-ray release last August. Um, they really went out and made these like really nice two hour long behind the scenes documentaries, um, with all new stuff, like new footage, new interviews. And they're great. They are amazing. You can actually find them all on YouTube. I think, okay. um, I highly recommend them. They're so good. It was like insane how well put together those were. And I wish they kept going, but it seemed like it was just really expensive to do it. Anyway, that's right. how I listen to this. I will promote something that is not mine. Okay. Well, maybe we'll have
1: you back on sometime and we can talk yes. about. We
2: should, talk, we should use another one of these in July when the books are coming out.
1: Yeah, definitely. It'd be awesome. All, All right, right, man. Right.
2: I, I will talk to you later.
1: Okay. Bye. Okay. So that was Joshua Williamson. So check out his stuff. Like, like I said, you know, he's, he's everywhere and, you know, Definitely look for those, those legends of the dark night, you know, those, those are great. And, you know, where there was more, so much more I want to talk to him. You know, we didn't talk about the teenage mutant Ninja turtle crane comic that, that correct. Didn't really like, um, he kind of liked it, but you know, and we, I want to talk about like man of steel trailer and, and RAPD, you know, that, that came out, um, you know, last week by the time you guys are listening to this, I, I, I think i'm gonna, we'll we'll probably have talked about this on the other podcast because I'm really curious what other people think about that i I'm a big Ryan Reynolds fan, and you know you know jeff bridges you know he's he's a cool guy, but i I'll admit I haven't read r i p d and it I've heard some people say it this trailer totally looks like men in black i mean it's it's like the same thing, and I don't know how similar to comic was to that. So I don't know how I feel. It looks good. It looks like it could be entertaining and and humorous, but it's so much like Men in Black. So I don't know how I, how you feel about that. And then like there's other news. And again, so if 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 we did get to this on the other podcast, I apologize if it's repetition. But there there's also the Star Wars news, which we kind of knew about this, where you know Disney has announced they're going to do uh, a new Star Wars movie every summer starting with 2015 and they're supposed to alternate They're they're going to do episode seven. And then I believe they're going to do like, like spinoff movies with, you know, like maybe hopefully they'll have like a Boba Fett movie, but you know, they, they've talked about doing a Han Solo movie younger. I don't even know how they're going to do that. So, you know, that's interesting. And then there is news about heroes, the TV show possibly coming back, but I think it would be like on Xbox on Xbox live or whatever. So, um, I still haven't seen the final season because, you know, I had them all DVR'd and I think I saw like the first two or three episodes of that season with like the circus and all that or whatever. And then um, I don't remember if they got deleted or if I ended up deleting them because I needed space or if that was on the dvr that died. I don't think it was on a dvr that it died. So I, I don't know about that. Uh, but we, our I should do some of your guys' questions since... Um, we haven't done too many of that. Um, so Pancho says Captain America is easily my favorite character. I actually I wanted to ask Josh this to get his thoughts on this too, but unfortunately I had to go. Um, I was looking for some recommendations. I've devoured Brubaker's entire run, but really my only exposure that's it's really my only exposure to him. I need more, but looking through back issues at my comic shop, I don't know where to start and have been deterred by some of them based on the covers, mainly the ones where he has some weird armor that Iron Man built for him. Is that story actually good or not? Um I'll admit that wasn't my favorite arc. Um right before that arc, I think it was um Streets of Streets of Poison or Streets of Blood. There's there's some arc where Captain America got a- affected and then um this is drug got got put in him and then he he started losing the super soldier serum. And his body started breaking down and then it's like he was going to become paralyzed, but because he's Captain America, you know, I I don't want to spoil the whole thing for you, but he, he wasn't just going to give up. And so he was going to keep going on his mission, you know, who he was going after. And even if that, that meant by him continuing, he was pushing his body further, making, the bad effects. <laughs> I'm wording this so poorly. You know, it, it the the results were were quickening. Where you know it was having a, a bigger effect on him. So that's why he had that armor on there because he was losing control of his body. But he got better, as as you you can probably figure out. Um, I I remember starting re- like right around like issue three hundred. Um, there was like the, the Red Skull story. There's there's the, the some of the stories after that are some of my favorites and. You know where we had Nomad Jack Monroe. You know he he was like partnering with with Captain America on and off, and that's why it blew me away when Brubaker had Jack Monroe killed. I was like, what? Because I I really like that that Nomad character. I didn't really like what happened to him in the '90s when he got the long hair and he was like the leather jacket and going around with that baby. Um, uh, Poncho says, are there more stories like? Captain America Patriot. I haven't read many, but it might be my favorite miniseries ever. Yeah, we raved about Patriot. If, if you haven't read that, um, that that's that's a great one. Um, I should do like a you should why you should read Captain America Patriot at some point because that was a great, beautiful art and colors. Um, you know, I raved about Betty Weiser That's when I first became like a true fan of her work. It just blew me away. Um, another one. I'm. I'm trying. What was it? The, um, the Marvel project. I think I believe that's the name. Um, I I like that. I bought that in hardcover because I'm a sucker for hardcovers. Um, you, you want to check that out. But as far as other Captain America stories, I'm I'm trying to think because I can't think of any like definitive Captain America stories. I've always loved Captain America. I've always been a you know big fan of Captain America. I mean, I I have you know, a replica actually have the real shield, um, that I, that I bought because I, he's, he's a great character. Um, so, you know, you, you yeah, you should read, you know, death of Captain America, you know, but you already read that. Cause he said you read the Brute Baker stuff, but, um, I can't, I can't really put my finger on just pick up, you know, just a few issues, look on for, if there's reviews on comic vine, but, but definitely like right around issue three hundred. I don't know if there's there's trades for those, but I, I really enjoyed the, the early three hundreds. And then, you know, there's there's a bunch of like Avengers books and and you know other things like you know, he was in Secret Wars. I've I've gone on about that quite a bit. Um let's see, Darth Fury seventy eight. What are your thoughts about the idea of Black Widow and Spider Woman becoming members of the spider family as Julia Carpenter has? Um Black Widow, I would say I don't think she she really has a place there. You know, it's it's great seeing them interact together like um ends of the earth when they they fought side by side, you know, they're both in the Avengers. But even just because she's Black Widow, she you know she's not really a spider character. So I I don't think she should be brought in. Um Spider Woman, um Jessica Drew, she would be more fitting, but you know, she's she's always been her own character. So I don't know about that either. We do have the um, Avengers connection as well, but it, it, I I can only think of like like not barely even a handful of of stories where they they've fought together. So I I don't I don't think it's it's really necessary. I mean, it could be good for those characters to raise their popularity, but I I don't think we need to see that. Um, toxin all. Uh, I'm sorry, I messed up on your name the last time I said it. Toxin al says, Hey, hello, SG man What if DC actually did a movie about the world's finest for a live-action movie? Who do you think would be the bad guy in the film? So, world's finest. If we're talking about Superman and Batman. Um, you know, most likely what would happen is, you know, they would bring in a Lex Luthor because Lex Luthor is like the... Superman villain, you know we we've seen him so many times in movies, and you know they, they wouldn't do General Zod, who is the other one. But you know, I part like my, my first instinct was to in, say Brainiac, but I don't know Batman versus Brainiac. That could be really interesting seeing him go in there. But then we're talking live action, so I don't know. And you know that's kind of the problem with Superman. Also, it's like you know who are the really cool Superman villains? You know, I I love Bizarro, but you can't do it. Although, it, they could... May, imagine if they did do a, a Bizarro in a movie. You know, you have... He wouldn't be the, the kind of goofy version, but more like the... You know, here's this kind of creepy, extremely super powerful version of Superman. So that that could be interesting. But... um, And then if you try to bring in any Batman villains, you know, because, like, Superman should be able to deal with them, but obviously you can't have that in the movie because you know, the movie would be like five minutes. So that'd be really interesting. I I just wonder if it's ever going to happen. You know, so we have man of steel coming out, you know, trailer was awesome and we'll have to see what happens with justice league. You know, they keep saying they want to do this. We'll just, we'll see. I I, I think I'm not the, the only one that really wants to see Superman, Batman on the big screen. So we'll see. Um, Antonio Stark says what do you guys think the chances are of Harper Rowe becoming a new Robin Um, not that I think it should happen anytime soon but I think the events of Batman 18 established a relationship between Batman and Harper that could lead to an interesting Batman Robin relationship so that's what a lot of people have suspected Um, you know Scott Snyder early on when she first appeared and when you know, we Comic Vine. I'm not trying to brag, but we, you know, we were kind of the first ones that that said, "Who is this character?" And you know, got Scott to talk about her. Um, and you know, he so he said that you know she's going to play a role in in Batman's whatever life or something like that. And you know, we we kind of did see that where you know, hopefully you read Batman 18 by now, and you know, she did kind of sort of you know pull him out from a dark place. So you know that that was was it was a great scene um and and i know some people are like you know it shouldn't have been her it should have been someone else someone closer but the good thing about it being her is she was a little more detached from batman and that could almost allow him to open up a little more to show a different side versus if it was someone like like dick or tim where you know he he would want to keep those emotions you know more guarded you know he wouldn't want want to lose control in front of them so there, there could be something. You know, she's got some spunk. Um, you know, she's she's trying to train. She's trying to do some stuff. Obviously, she's no way ready to be a Robin, like you know, anytime soon. She needs to do a lot more training. And obviously, Batman is not just going to say, "Okay, oh, hey, you can be Robin." You know, she would have to go through like super duper boot camp to you know get ready. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's like you you. Know, I wonder what's going to happen in Peter Tomasi's Batman and Robin, you know, we know he's he's teaming with the others and you know they're they're guest starring the other Robins and that. But at some point, you know, is there there has to be another Robin. You have Batman and Robin, and especially if that title is going to continue, unless they're going to, you know, rename it or or something. I don't know. I mean, Harper could be interesting. Why not have a female Robin? Um, you know, Stephanie Brown was a female Robin briefly. Um, Carrie Kelly, I I don't buy that you know, what we saw in Batman and Robin 19. So we'll just have to see. I, I And I do really like Harper Rowe as a character. I'm a I'm a big fan. So I, I would support that, but obviously it couldn't happen anytime soon. Um, second from Antonio Stark says, I'm not that big on DC except for the Batman titles. I'm trying to catch up on stuff that I missed with Green Lantern and Throne of Atlantis, among other things, but I feel like I've missed so much. For example, I started reading the Green Lantern titles like Wrath of the First Lantern, and while I'm not totally lost, I'm pretty confused. How do you address things like that? Do you just jump in when you want to read a book or do you read all the issues that you missed first? I always tell, you know, I I often have people ask me, where should I start reading? What's a good, you know, jumping on point? But if, if, you, you, if you try to wait for that perfect jumping on point, you're going to miss so much before. And even though when you're reading, it could be a new jumping on point. There could be, you know, things referenced before. But you know, there, there's going to be cool things that you miss, and then you're going to want to find out anyway. So my advice is, if if you want to read, like, let's say you've never read Green Lantern, you want to start reading Green Lantern. Yeah, things are going to um, change in June when Robert Venditti takes over. But you don't want to miss out what's happening now. I say just jump in. You might be like, "What the heck's going on?" But you'll 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 see some cool things, and you know, sometimes they do little recaps. But then also, you, know, you can go to Comic Vine. Most of the pages, you know, for, for, especially for the big characters, they, they are, they're like almost exactly up to date on what's been going on. You know, you can find out the recent events. So like, if you want to know what's happening with, with Hal Jordan, you could probably go to the Hal Jordan page and you'll find out pretty much everything that's happened up until, you know, the current issue. So that's my advice is, you know, go to the wiki pages, you know, and, and just try to find out what, what's happening and then you know pick up some some back issues pick up a trade if you can you know and I, I know that that's hard especially if you're taking on a new title you know you may not necessarily have the money to go back and you know pick up the other issues but you you can't just sit and wait for that that perfect jumping on point you just need to dive in and then you're gonna have moments of confusion but that's how we did it like when I first started reading I just dived in and when I say like, whoa there's a comic store here I didn't know comic stores existed you know and you know, I I was doing it kind of how like Josh said, you know, just at at the newsstand, going to like the the convenience store and you know picking up issues when, when I I could. So you just jump in, just do it. That that's like Nike said. That's that's my advice. Um, Matt Wing, eighty seven. What did you think of a Daredevil movie? I thought it was great and followed Frank Miller's run really well. Ben Affleck wouldn't have been my best choice, but I thought he did pretty well. Plus Michael Duncan, Michael Clark Duncan. As Kingpin was pretty awesome. The Electra spin-off was terrible though. L-O-L. Um, I've i I've, I've seen bits of it recently. It's 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 tough to to watch. I I don't not like Ben Affleck like some people do, and I do like Jennifer Garner. Um but the movie kind of was a mess. And if if you take it away from, you know, if you're a pure Daredevil fan, if you try to take it away from there and you know, try to enjoy it for what it is. It's 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 not that bad. You know, there there are some good things. I wasn't super crazy about like the especially like the fight scene at the end where they're doing these crazy jumps and leaps and it's like and Daredevil and Bullseye are supposed to be like normal, you know, guys with special skills, but they're just like so agile and doing these crazy jumps at at the the church on the organ pipes and um but yeah, you know, Michael Clark Duncan was was cool as as Kingpin. Um I, I I don't know. I mean the it is just too bad and electra i i guess that's the other problem is you know and you know bullseye was was kind of almost a parody but electra as great as jennifer garner was an alias it's like that the way the electra character was written just didn't do her justice didn't do the character justice and you know she should have been so much more deadly deadlier and i honestly don't even remember what happened in the electra movie and it's like part of me doesn't want to remember what happened so it's just it's it's too bad. Um, Tensor says, "I have a question, G-Man. Why is it that when DC does a reboot of some kind, they always use the Flash? Is it that he's the most powerful hero, but they only tap into his power when they need a reboot?" Um, that's a good question, but you know, part of it is because of his interdimensional whatever ties, you know, which we're we're kind of seeing in Justice League of America and and vibe or Justice League of America's vibe you know, he has this connection to, you know, the speed force is like this other dimension. So, you know, there is that. And, you know, with Crisis on Infinite Earths or like Flashpoint, you know, there there was that that factor of it. So that's why they used him. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, they did Zero Hour and, you know, he wasn't a, a big part of that because you know, Barry Allen wasn't around then. So it's just, it just works for the story, I guess, you know, depending on, on how they're going to reboot it. And hopefully we won't have to, Worry about reboots for any time you know for a while. Um Peak Peak Drum Peaked Peak Drum says, Hey G Man, I'm from China. A lot of Chinese Batman fans only know Batman through Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Can you recommend some must read Batman comic books to help these fans quickly get familiar with Batman continuity? Um well I mean a new fifty two books. That's that's a good place to start. You know, pick up the the first couple Batman trades. Um, get the like Batman and Robin trades. Um, Detective Comics. You know, there's some, some some interesting stories there. Um, same with uh, Dark Knight. There there's some some good stuff there. Um, I wouldn't say those are essential. You know, I'd definitely say you know Batman and a Batman and Robin. Um, then it just depends on how far back you want to go. Batman Black Mirror was was great. So. Um, The problem with that is that that is not Bruce Wayne as Batman. That was when Batman was quote unquote dead. He wasn't really dead, but he was around, wasn't around. So Dick Grayson was Batman, but that's, that's a great Batman story, even though it's not Bruce Wayne. And then, you know, just going back to the Grant Morrison stuff, you know, I, I love the black glove um, collection, um, Batman and son. um, And then of course, you know, Batman, RIP, those are all really good. And, you know, if you start there, that will pretty much, you know, get you up to date to, you know, what's going on now. And then you have, you know, to return to Bruce Wayne that was collected. And then the previous volume of Batman and Robin, which was Dick Grayson and Damien. But, you know, definitely go for the Grant Morrison stuff. Start there. Get the Black Mirror and you know, the current New 52 stuff. And then, you know, it, it, uh, there's also a lot of other older stuff. You know, like I, I like Batman Year Two or Batman Year One. You know, those are are good. The problem with Batman Year One, some of that stuff doesn't really exist, doesn't really stand anymore in the new 52 because how they altered the timeline. Um, And then there's like, you know, Son of the Demon. I love that story, the killing joke. So it just depends on how far back you can and are willing to go. Um, Ash the Flash says, Where is the trivia part of the site now? I can't find the leaderboard either. there's no like official ruling on this, but but basically we don't have the trivia Im- implemented right now. That doesn't mean it's gone forever. Uh, part of the problem is, and I, I think I, I've mentioned this before, is doing the the the, the quests, the, the trivia question. Wait, actually, I take this back. You're, I think you're talking about the trivia questions, not the quests. I thought you're talking about about the quests. Um, the quests were stuff that was it was mainly me writing those, and um, Dan, if if you're around when when Dan Meisner Reisner was here, you know he he helped enter them into the database, and then the engineers would would make all of the pages work. So those were I, I like doing that. Um, as far as the trivia, I'll, I'll I'll have to see what the status is on that with the engineers. You know, I I meet with them weekly. So, um, if you, no, I'm not going to say that, you know, and they, they, you know, they are working on the bugs, they are looking at, at the bug forms, but something like this, you know, I can find out the status of this and, you know, part of it sadly might be is, you know, how many people were actually using it, you know, cause they, they can track these different things. And, you know, there are some things that everything is like connected on the site. So having something like, like the trivia attached to the pages that can affect the way that page loads and the way that the site loads and how, how fast you can go from page to page. It might not seem that like that much of a difference, but, you know, it, it kind of does add up. So I'd have to find out the reason why it's not there, if it's just that no one was using it or if it was more of a technical thing that was, you know, causing problems. Like um, one of the things that I just recently t- was, was brought up that I talked about um, in a meeting, was about the the friends online. You know, I know some people have asked about having that ability to see who is online and who's not. And, you know, there there are some other ways to see that. And, you know, you can look on the the forums to see recent comments, but that doesn't tell you everyone because someone could just be waiting for someone else to come online or if someone else, you know, if if they commented in a thread and someone commented right after them, you know, you're not going to know. So... The problem with that was was where to put that feature because you know the, the top of the sites are kind of full and you know a lot of it is the design. You can't just, you know, slap something on there. But I, I believe that there is a place off to the side on the on the forums that it could go. So it's just a matter of writing the code and the and then doing the design and all that. It's it's not just a matter of just storing it on there. You know, there there is a lot of work that has to go into it. And then the engineers are also working on other things, you know. So it it is a kind of a, a matter of of priority. So that should be back. Um, as far as the trivia, we can look into that to see, you know, if if we can bring it back. And you know, part of the problem with the trivia is, you know, and I hate to say this, sometimes they weren't written well, and you know, it could just be you know grammatical errors or spelling errors. And you know, there there's are some some questions that had the wrong answer or didn't have an answer. So, you know, that, that caused problems and causes frustration for people too. So, you know, we, we tried to monitor those, but it, it's, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, how to manage it all. So I'll, I'll see about that. So hopefully, Ash to Flash, you're listening, and I'll, you know, mention it next time if I, if I get an answer. Uh, Mattitude22 says, hey, G-Man, I was wondering what your thoughts – what are your thoughts on the old EC horror titles? Do you think they have stood the test of time, or are they best left a nostalgic memory? I would think probably a lot of it might be nostalgic, but there there could be some that, that could survive. Uh, I haven't gone back and, and read any of those recently. You know, I'm sure a lot of them are going to be cheesy, and you know, part of it is we have been exposed to so many more extreme things – that seeing what was considered edgy, or you know, back then, it's it's almost you know going to be laughable now. So it would be interesting to to go back and actually read some of those. Um, Blake Rules ninety has some questions. In your opinion, who would win following fights? So those of you listening, Blake Rules ninety is asking for my opinion. Who I would think. So this doesn't mean, you know, don't jump in and say, oh, that, that's not right. Um. So Black Canary versus Songbird. Um. Now, see, here's the thing is I would want Songbird to win. She She's a tough character, but I think it would have to be Black Canary. Songbird can do the constructs, which gives her the edge. Black Canary, I think, has more experience. And, you know, and you know, she's got the, the hand-to-hand combat, which... Um, if Songbird's flying around that may not even be a factor so it, it would be a, a close one but I, I think I would have to give it to Black Canary even though I I would want Songbird to get it um, Mockingbird versus Nightwing uh, I love 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 Mockingbird but I'd, again I'd have to give this to Nightwing Mockingbird would probably fight a little dirtier but Nightwing you know he's he's you know first in line to be Batman so it would have to be him Swamp Thing versus Man Thing. Um, even though I, I've, you know, especially recently, you know, we've seen a lot of Man Things. <laughs> um, I I don't know a whole lot about Man Thing. There, there's something, because there's been a couple different versions. So I, I don't think, so part of me wants to say Swamp Thing because I'm more familiar with the Swamp Thing. And I read, I've read consistently, you know, some of the older Swamp Things versus Man Thing. Um but, you know, Man-Thing's got that, you know, whoever knows fear, burns, you know, all that, and then the interdimensional stuff, and I don't know. So, I don't know if Man-Thing is technically more powerful, but now we're seeing Swamp-Thing, you know, do more interesting things. So, that's a tough one there. Um, Spectre versus Ghost Rider. I think it should be Spectre. I think he's the more powerful because, you know, especially now, you know, he's got the more supernatural, or not not the supernatural, but celestial um, roles, you know, he's he's almost like a, a like a god of vengeance versus a spirit of vengeance. So I I think it would be Spectre. Um, you know, Ghost Rider would probably fight dirtier. Um, Sylvester Cat from Looney Tunes versus Tom from Tom and Jerry. Um, I think it would be Tom. I think I can firmly say that. So curious what other people would think about that. Fedex. Says movie season is here and we have a lot of hero movies coming out. Iron Man, X Men, Wolverine, etc. You know, I totally forgot about X Men, Wolverine coming out this year. I was I was telling my wife, I was like, "There's only like three really big comic book movies, you know, and that would be Iron Man three, Man of Steel, and then Thor 2. But I forgot about Wolverine and is X Men coming out this year? Wow, I'm just totally blanking here. My question is, um, what movies are you excited for? Well, obviously, I'm excited for Iron Man 3, um, Man of Steel, and Thor 2. Let's see. While everyone else is just grasping at... Okay, wait. I really feel Marvel has been knocking out of the park while everyone else is just grasping at straws trying to cash in on their superhero properties. What do you think Marvel has that the others are missing or just not getting? Um, So, yeah, I'm... You know, excited for those. I'm, I'm curious about Wolverine. I, I, I'm, I can't say that I'm overly excited. I mean, it looks good. Looks like it's an improvement, but you know, based on what we've seen before, it's, it's hard to get excited. And I hope that I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. Same with, with X Men. You know, I, I did like First Class. You know, there's, I had some problems with some minor things. Uh, Days of Future Past. I, I think it's too ambitious of a project. And you know, I've, I've talked about before the concern over so many characters and yeah, they're probably going to be reduced to just, you know, small little cameos, but it's almost like, you know, what's the point? So I, I don't know that I, you know, I have to reserve full judgment until I see some sort of trailer or something. Cause I, I have no idea how that's going to look. Um, as far as why is Marvel doing it better? I, th- I think they just, they, they really did well with casting, you know, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man was, was huge. And then just tying all the movies together. You know, DC in the beginning, they said they didn't want to do that. They wanted their characters to be separate. That was kind of the problem. And, you know, I've said this so many times by having Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, and then having, you know, Thor, or was it Captain America? Or having Thor, Captain America, you know, because those essentially became like sequels to Iron Man in, in some ways or, or like prequels to the Avengers. And, you know, even when they, they brought Hulk in there, So having the sense of a bigger world, I mean, I mean, Avengers was huge in the box office. And part of it is because there was all these characters and the advantage was you knew the characters, you know, you didn't have to spend time with the origins because, you know, you saw them in their separate movies, most likely. So you knew who Captain America, you knew where he was coming from. You knew who Iron Man was. You knew who Thor was. So having all that already established just just made it. You know, bigger and seeing the same actors, the same characters appear from movie to movie. It's it's almost like the comic book where you have the crossovers. So that that's why it was so huge. You know, Batman, um, the the Batman trilogy, that was good, but that you know that that's totally isolated, stands on its own. And you know, Superman Returns, that had other problems. You know, but again, it's that that feeling of isolation where you know if if you try thinking, you know, Dark Knight Rises there's no way to justice league exists in that world there you know there's no way superman could exist you know you can't have someone that flies it's just the dark knight trilogy or whatever you want to call it christopher nolan's i mean it it was rooted in a a different sense of reality you know it was a little more realistic so it'd be hard to to see this and i think that that kind of limited things in a way um Okay, I'm going to jump to Twitter. So that was the end of page 14 now on the Ask G Man um, general discussion uh, video questions. So, you know, make sure you keep asking your questions there because we are on the last page now for that. Um, Okay, Um, I just, I'm sorry, I just looked at the last question on there, which I'm not going to get to now because I don't want to go out of order. But going to Twitter to the Ask G-Man, hashtag Ask G-Man, um, See, we have... Here's one I, I saw um, last week that I wanted to get to. Um, it's from Greg Garland, 5555. He said, how did prestige books or modern graphic novels make money without ads? Example... Um. I don't know what's S T R M N H B H B. would be a Hellboy, um, Batman. So graphic novels, I mean, they weren't sold on a newsstand. So you had that, they were, uh, direct market only. I'm pretty sure. And part of it is they, they had a, a more of a markup. Um, like, like the little graphic novels, you know, they're, they're like around like five ninety five when, when comics were were still like you know 60 75 cents so you know they they had a higher price and you know they were a, a more premium format you know they had the the cardboard stock cover and you know more of a binding so i i think that they're just just uh there maybe there's just more of a markup that kind of covered the difference in in the advertising you know i i don't know how much a comic gets per issue in terms of advertising. We're seeing a lot more house ads in comics. You know, like you look at DC comics, there's so many ads for, you know, trades and other DC books. But then, you know, at the same time you look at like, you know, image comics, there's no ads there. The, the books cost, you know, three bucks, three fifty. So it's, it's just, that's, that's how they were. It's they, they cost more. So they didn't have to worry about having advertising. Whereas the single issues, had all the advertising so they could have it at a, a cheaper price. Uh, let's see. Elwood Toe says, I noticed the Justice League Dark Trinity War crossover issue is three ninety nine, dollars but still only 32 pages. Is this a typo or a flagrant markup? It's really hard to say because um, a lot of times the solicits um, are, are wrong. I'll you know just straight out say that. Uh, it, it could be a typo or there could be something else. I would hope it's not a flagrant markup, but it kind of makes sense that they want to keep them all on, on the same, you know, pricing point. Maybe uh, what they're going to do is, you know, if it's tied in there, maybe, you know, maybe they will bring in a backup story. And, you know, it it's just it didn't get listed in, in the solicit. Um, you know, they're probably going to do something there, you know, because there's so many times things change. You see the solicit and then. Something changes for whatever reason, you know, whether it's a last minute thing or a valid reason or the wrong thing just got out and then it was after it went to press or whatever. So we'll have to wait and see. I haven't heard anything, you know, if there's gonna be any, any backups or anything like that, but I I just I hope it's not a flagrant markup because that would, would suck. Toast also asks on Twitter. What do you think of Superman's costume in Man of Steel? I'm okay with the texture and no red trunks, but his belt flare is dumb. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm i am not sure how I feel about the texture. I, I think it looks a little weird. But, you know, we're talking about Kryptonian costume, so, you know, that's fine. Um, I'd, I'd have to really... I haven't really looked and stared at it. I think the problem is when you look at... at at um, Henry Cavill, there's something else that you might notice first, I and mean, you you can't help but notice it. It's 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 there. So I don't know. I'd have to look. Um, I don't have an image in front of me, and obviously I'm not gonna start searching while I'm recording. So I'd have to look at it again. But I'm just happy that that trailer looks so good because I mean, it it's a good sign. I don't want to get my hopes up, but they they kind of are getting up because it does look good. Connor Robnett says, "What are your thoughts on Batwoman's marriage? Um, I haven't read last week's issue, so I don't think they got married yet. I, I did read where um, Batwoman proposes to her. Um, that seemed kind of sudden. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been trying to keep up with Batwoman, but I guess the dis- the good and the bad thing is because it's not deeply rooted in the Batman comics continuity. That you know, there, there's times where I'll put it aside and then I just I don't get to it and then I I try to catch up. So as far as getting married uh, it's it's just so hard to say because, you know, okay, Batwoman, you know, she's a lesbian character. She is entitled to get married to, you know, whoever she's in love with. So, you know, I guess the the question is why would she get married in comics? Is it because there's a great story, which I'm sure there will be? but is it just to have a headline? You know, is is that the reason I'm, I don't think they made a big deal about the proposal, but you know, if if they have, it's like, you know, gay Batman character gets married, same sex marriage, you know, they, you know, would be all over the headlines. So I, I would just hope that it's not to be exploitive that, you know, it would fit the story. So, you know, like I said, I don't think she's married, so you know I would question, is it even going to happen? Would it be able to happen? So, I'd, I'd have to read more. DC Fox says, since you were talking about Stephen King, do you think the Dark Tower movies will ever come out? Honestly, I don't have a lot of, a lot of faith, a lot of hope. I do have hope, but I don't know if it's going to happen. It seems like there's been so many problems, and you know, if budget was always such an issue, that that's concerning to me because – I wouldn't want those movies to be made with you know a, a low budget, um, yeah. I'm especially like you know the the second book and the third book. You know, there's some some big things that happen, and then when you start getting to like the fourth book, Wizards and Glass. I mean, that's such a thick book. You know, it's it's like you can't do. I don't know how you could do these as a movie, you know, or a series of movies. I, th- I think they talked about maybe doing a trilogy, but it's like, are you going to do try to do all seven books in three movies? Cause then you have to cut out a lot, and yeah, there's a lot that could be cut out because Stephen King, you know, can get a little verbose sometimes. But, um, you know, I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one that that says this is, you know, having like an HBO series or you know, even like AMC, just a a weekly series with seasons. I mean that that would be great because there's just so much story to tell that I don't I I can't really see it being done in movies. But then there's there's the cost factor. So that's the unfortunate thing. Um and I believe this will be our last question from Keaton Carpenter. He says what's the deal with multiple identities for villains and heroes? Why can't people just come up with their own alter ego? That is a problem. You know, like we have Reverse Flash coming up. So it's like, you know, when his character comes up do you make a new reverse flash page, or do you make a page for his alter ego, his real name? But then the question is, are we going to know what his real name is? You know, if he's not Wally West, so it, it it gets frustrating where you see the same characters with the same names, and you know, even like like Nova. I love Sam Alexander. I'm, I'm totally keen on, on that. But you know, he's he's Nova, but then we also had Rich Ryder, who's Nova. And that's a little different because you had Nova Corps, you know, same thing with like Green Lanterns. You, you have so many different people with the same power. But, you know, you don't have multiple Batmans concurrently. So it, it's just – it's weird when a character is retired or is killed and then they're replaced with someone else. You know, like you take Kid Flash, you know, or even like Flash. So it, it just – I guess it, the the reason it's done, well, obviously the reason it's done because that, that name has recognition. So, you know, even someone like Nova, where Nova may not be a household name, but among comic readers, people know who Nova is. If they tried calling Sam Alexander, like Rocket Lad or, you know, I don't know, some some other, you know, even like Supernova or, or you know, something, it doesn't have that, that same recognition. So comic readers... Even if they weren't a big fan of Nova, they know who Nova is. Nova had his own series, you know, a couple of, few of them. So that's the reason it's done. And whether there's a valid reason for the, the previous character, you know, if they were killed or weren't popular, but that's just, just how it is. I'm not a fan of, of, of Teresa calling herself Banshee, you know, because Sean Cassidy should have been Banshee. And then, you know, he quote unquote died, which he's, he's, Surprised we have been dead for a while. I I preferred her as Siren than you know taking on the name of Banshee. So it it does seem lazy on the characters' part. They're like, yeah, I'm just gonna take over this mantle. It was like, yeah, I'm I'm Batman now. Yeah, what? The Batman's still there. That's okay. I'm gonna be a Batman. So it would be nice, especially with the villains, because you know when you take like Reverse Flash, it's like you know you have to remember like who which which Reverse Flash is which Reverse. You know who was the first one, who was the second one, and and then just trying to keep. You know, all that's that stats straight. So it's a problem, but all of the good names are taken. So that's why I am G man from heck on Twitter because G man was taken. So that is it for this week. Um, next week. Let's see. I'm, I'm trying to think when this is going up. So um, there, let's see, next week or this week. Okay. Starting over. <laughs> This week as you guys are listening to this um we're going to have C2E2 this this weekend so there will not be a regular podcast on the 26th um as far as next week's podcast hmm okay I, I I'm trying to think cuz I I have something coming up something planned but I think I, I have like a plan A and a plan B, and I, I'm going to, I think, go with both of them. So there should be another episode of this on, on May 1st. That should still happen. And it's going to be a cool one. It's going to be a groovy one if if things work out. So thanks for listening. Keep asking your questions. So ask on Twitter. So you can at reply me, Gman from Heck. But you know you don't have to do that. You can just use the hashtag AskGman, and they will show up there. And on Comic Vine, go to the general forum. Go look for the Ask G Man video questions thread. It is pinned, so it is currently on page fifteen. Fill them up. Ask me your questions. I'll answer them, and I'll try to get the guests to answer some of those if they don't have to run off. Um, thanks again to to Josh. And again, we were literally talking for like over an hour, just just catching up and talking about other stuff. So next time. <laughs> We'll 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 stop that conversation. Start recording earlier. Um, so, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys soon. If you are in C two E two, if you're in Chicago and you see me, you know, make sure you say hello. Um, Matt will be there, and possibly someone else who I don't know if I should mention at this point, but you will see more. So I'm super excited. So I hope to see you guys there. Goodbye. So, so my question, my question is, is could, it be, could it be? We don't we know. Don't and know. I would like to ask, you ask which comic book, book that's affected affect you most emotionally. Yep. 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 That's the question. Don't shake your, your head. I love yeah. Alan Davis. This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan yeah. Davis. Davis. Yeah. I, I I wasn't a fan of this. Rob Lyle. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate freedom. I give this a two.